0: Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the Prop G Markets podcast. For nearly two years, Prop G Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, Prop G Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer... It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. So you confirmed uh, your release. Uh, It came on Tuesday. I think you made the request. Well, you've been making the request for the last week or two. Um, You do an interview with Submission Radio. And if I'm not mistaken, one day later, your letter shows up.
1: Yeah.
0: Quite a timeline. What, what do you make of that?
1: Um, well, I mean, you know, it is, it's just nice that it's been resolved so quickly. Uh, I, I think I think sometimes the best the best thing to do is to speak out publicly and it just kind of brings attention to a situation. Um, but, you know, I mean, the thing is, the UFC have got so many things going on, like, it, it's easy for, for them to just kind of tune me out and just just kind of get on there in the background asking for, uh, asking for my release. And that's just kind of what it felt like. It's felt like that's, you know. since, since my, uh, my, my job with the UFC has come to an end, to so like to get a hold of anybody and get any kind of, you know, get any kind of response is proving very challenging.
0: So I, uh, I saw Diego's release letter a couple, about a week ago. So congratulations on an incredible career that has spanned over 16 years and 32 bouts with the UFC. Your dedication to the sport of mixed martial arts and the organization is greatly appreciated. As one of the early stars of MMA, you helped shape the sport into what it is today. We wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors, and thank you for all the amazing years and battles you have given us. Did you say anything like that?
1: <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not.
0: <laughs> what did what did yours say? Um, not
1: a great deal, to be honest. Where's my laptop? Let me grab my laptop, and I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I, mine wasn't even wasn't even interesting enough to properly read. I just kind of scan read it and forwarded it to my manager. I was more surprised that I got it so quickly, more than anything. Um, right. No, it just uh, it did, uh, per your conversation with Sean Shelby, it's our understanding you've requested to be released from your promotional ancillary rights agreement uh, with Zuffa LLC. Uh, um, Fully executed on July fifth, two thousand twelve. So that's when I would have signed my last contract. Um,
0: July 12th, uh, What what year?
1: Uh, sorry, sorry. July fifth,
0: two thousand twelve. Wow, two
1: thousand twelve. Yeah. Oh no, I, I, no. There, there was a nice, there was a nice paragraph towards the end. Well, I, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't read it fully. your <laughs> with your accomplishments, both in and out of the octagon. Uh, you have contributed to shaping the sport of mixed martial arts. It's what it is today. Uh, while also being a global ambassador for the sport, we wish you nothing but the best of luck and much success going forward with all your future endeavours. And thank you for your dedication to the sport of mixed martial arts and the UFC.
0: Reading that, how do you feel about that?
1: Um, kind of weird, to be honest. I mean, I, I'd always got this perception that, you know, my career within mixed martial arts would come to an end and it would kind of end with the UFC. And I never, I never intended on fighting past a UFC contract. Um, you know, when I was on that four fight losing streak and I was, I was considering stepping away, I I was, I wasn't thinking of of going anywhere else. I was thinking of going to study philosophy at university, a complete different directional change. Um, so I I always kind of felt like my career as far as professional mixed martial arts would start and finish with the UFC. But then, admittedly, I also didn't expect it to continue on so long after me being a fighter. I mean, i would not really, i have not really considered the idea of me being a, you know, an analyst or commentator. So, no, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that time and that opportunity. But it, it's weird because now I'm still, I'm, I'm still very much in professional mixed martial arts and do want to be. And you know, I, I, I love commentating and analyzing and training fighters and stuff. But now I'm like right on the outside of the UFC for the first time in. Well, I mean, forever. Before I was unknown to the UFC and then I was under the UFC contract from 2008. And now I'm just, and now I'm just kind of not a part of it at all. And like, you know, with, with, with efforts to, you know, properly exclude me in every way possible, which feels really odd as well. Because yeah. I don't feel like any of it is warranted.
0: Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you, you've, you've spoken at length about uh, the circumstances around it. Do you feel like it do you feel like it was a clean break? Given your relationship with BT Sport, like, are no, you I mean, do no. you consider yourself detached now?
1: No, no, not not really. I mean, I'm still covering, I'm still covering UFC events, and you know, we're do, we're doing like Fight Companion type shows now and stuff. So I, I still love the UFC. I still, I still watch most events. I'm not, I'm not working alongside the UFC anymore. So I'm not up watching the events live every every Saturday night, Sunday morning, like I was before. And, I treat it a bit more, a bit more like, a, you know, a bit more like a fan now, I suppose. But I'm still producing content around it. My relationship with BT is, is is a weird one because, you know, when when the disagreement happened between myself and the USC employee, BT were there. You know, my, my colleagues were were there with me, um, and they weren't. They, they as far as I understand, you know, I've spoken to to them, and they they have not been spoken to about what happened. So. I don't know. It's just the whole thing's just kind of weird. You know, I've still got a good relationship with BT. You know, Adam and Nick, the fight disciples, still got a good relationship with them. I just don't work with them anymore. Um, but, you know, the clampdown on BT came from UFC's side. It was basically, I think, the UFC saying that they want not credential me and allow me in the building, not even to work for BT. But then at the same time, you know, the, the press release that w- was released that spoke for BT. did not come from bt you know bt never intended on stopping working with me so it was almost like like it was the news was released to kind of pressure bt into following suit and and shutting me out as well but then after that you know it was you know a couple of my sponsors they were they went after a couple of those and you know just oh my my raptors were denied credentials for events even though they've been doing great work just a lot of vindictive stuff that wasn't really necessary you know, especially with no kind of clarity of, of actually what's been said about me. And because of because I know what happened, I feel like a lie's been told about me. And that's the that's the bit that's frustrating. You know, to be continuing on outside of the UFC and to be finding my own ways, it's quite refreshing. I'm enjoying the, you know, the the uncharted waters, to be honest. But it still it still burns the fact that I've got this awkwardness with the UFC that I don't feel like is necessary.
0: Um Well, one of the reasons I wanted to ask, uh, being the troublemaker that I am, uh, pot stir, you know, whatever you want to call it. um, Do you feel any more comfortable with uh, talking about the exact circumstances this conversation over this opportunity withheld?
1: I mean, I can tell you the details about it. I know, I won't mention the individual's name, but, you know, Not, not for any other reason other than out of respect for the person, but they're, they're head of PR in in the UK, and I've worked with them for for a number of years. You know, from when I was signed as a fighter, all the way through to to my, my being an ambassador, and we've never had a, I've never felt like we've had a bad relationship, but I, I've also never never approached this job as it was a job. I've always approached it like like this is my life, and I love it. So it was you know sometimes my frustrations would be. People were kind of dragging their feet and doing you know, the, the necessary work. And this was a per- person I'd complained about before because I felt like opportunities would be amiss, not only for myself but for other fighters in the region. You know, Young fighters that the media are trying to get a hold of but the UFC office in the UK is not connecting them. And, and the, all these opportunities that would be amiss that were, that were provided to me when I was a fighter. It wasn't like, like things had always been like that. Things had gotten considerably worse. You know, when I signed in 2008, I was—I had interviews every week. I was busy. I was talking to everybody that was there. Now these guys are not hardly getting any media attention at all, and the disconnect is—you know—the the, the PR team in the office, and that was that was my frustration, which i would mentioned a few times. Um, but it, it seemed to me like it seemed to me like that had perhaps my complaints had not gotten further up the chain. In fact, had actually gotten back to the person that I maybe complained about because they're their move towards me had changed and you know i think the herb dean situation didn't help either but obviously the ufc couldn't terminate my contracts after that because it would look really bad you know firing a commentator after standing up for fighter safety so I, I think that was kind of a nail in the coffin to be honest because of how much control they need to have over those live events you know they don't want me i'm a bit of a bit of a loose cannon and uh, something else that I said, which may have uh, you know led to this situation, was you know when I spoke to the UFC after the Herb Dean circumstance, I said, you know please don't forget I worked for mixed martial arts before I worked for the UFC, and I think that kind of that kind of burned a little bit in their minds because you know when you work for the UFC, they want you to be UFC through and through, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm a I'm a grassroots fighter and, and I've got. I've got, you know, fighters that are around me all the time, people that have come through the sport and have had the same struggles and, you know, are dealing with issues now that, you know, that that prolong, you know, (laughs) in mixed martial artist careers. So, yeah, I I just, I I just, I think I was a little bit too unpredictable in that seat perhaps. And I think after that moment, you know, there was was possibly waiting for an opportunity to kind of push me to one side. Um, And then, you know, after that moment, after that incident, I actually signed a new contract and came out to the next fight island. But then all of my media obligations, you know, most of the first questions were the situation with Herb Dean. And, you know, and again, I was speaking in my, my, my case and, and you know, re- reinforcing my perspective on the circumstance. And that also, I don't think, was looked down upon very well because then the following fight island, I was taking off all media responsibilities. Um, you know, so I, I I mean, I think it's a combination of a, of a few things. And I think the situation in the last fight island, I, I gave them the opportunity to, to get rid of me because of, you know, the Herb Dean thing and a couple of other things.
0: Sure. What do you make of the shift in attention or the shift away uh, from UK and Euro- European fighters over the, you know, the the, the time frame that you're referring to? in terms of like you you said that they were you know they were packed with media there was a lot more attention you know paid on you, and and you just felt like those opportunities weren't being mm-hmm. capitalized on what do you make of that
1: i just i just think it was a general downsizing i, I think that's what it was you know like so when, when i first signed with the usc there was a, a uk office a dedicated pr team um and there was a, there was a whole machine in the uk working and we were doing regular events you know we were pretty much the second you know, the second home for the UFC over in the UK. We had, we had a good, you know, a good pool of talent, but we had a lot of media attention. Like I was doing like, like catalog shoots for UFC things in like general UK catalogs. I was speaking to tabloid newspapers and I was writing for, you know, fitness magazines and stuff like, and, and all, we were all doing it. You know, it wasn't just me. It was all the UK guys. There was a lot of attention on us because we had a, a good PR team behind us. But then, obviously, you know, with the sale of the UFC and everything became downsized. You know, the head of the UK office was was uh, gotten rid of, and that job was passed to someone that worked in Vegas. Which obviously, there's a disconnect there. So then, the highest ranking people in the UK are not actually the heads of the region. They're people that work at head of PR or, or whatever else. And you know, the, the UK office was closed and that then everything broke into two and security and logistics went one way and like social media and PR went into the ING offices. And I don't know, I, I mean, there just seemed to be a lot, of, maybe there's maybe like tension or politics going on in the office or something, but it just seemed like such a kind of, I don't know, I don't know, not a lot got done and it was frustrating because I was used to hearing from people regularly saying, "Hey." You're speaking to this person this week, or you know, can you come to this racetrack and do this shoot with such and such? It was a steady flow of stuff, and me being an ambassador, you know, I had, I had a, a you know a monthly uh, retainer that kept me around to be doing those kind of things, and especially since the since the Herb Dean thing, but even before that, you know, from the sale of the UFC to <clears throat> to IMG, it just seemed to it just seemed to drop off, like effort and attention towards the fighters and promotion and.
0: It's an odd feeling, um, loving something so much and feeling like it doesn't love you back. It, it is That's the way it's felt to me when the UFC has been withholding or denying or non-communicative. Does it strike you the same way?
1: Yeah, it's, it's horrible because... <clears throat> You know, I, I love the UFC as a fan, and I love mixed martial arts as a as a lifelong martial artist. And it's like <clears throat> all all of a sudden, it's it's it's, it's corporation, and it's 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 and it's tainted everything that I love with greed, you know. And it's all about like okay, I mean, here, here's a good example, right? Because but like I, I, I consider that I fought towards the towards the end of the golden age of mixed martial arts, you know, like for me. The golden age was those like early like UFC thirties, you know, the early BJ Penns, Jens Culver, all the way through the ultimate fighter. And then, you know, just when we started to break into the UK, uh, into into Europe. And 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 for me, like a big part of it was the distinctive personalities, the backgrounds, the stories of the fighters. Like everyone seems like clones of one another now. You know, as soon like at one point it was a free market, I had Air 8 Records sponsoring me. I had a bunch of smaller companies that had a bit of a marketing budget that could get behind their favorite fighter, and then that then that sponsorship tax came in, and then everyone had to pay what was it, fifty or a hundred thousand dollars to just sponsor a UFC fighter, right? Which meant that then there was then there was a pool of maybe ten sponsors left that had a considerably reduced marketing budget that was then spread out through the roster, and everyone kind of got watered down a bit, and everyone lost a bit of cash, you know. And then, and then there was the next stage where the banners went and it was just this constantly squeezing the, the life out of it and, it, and that's, the, that's the bit that hurts so much is because like these guys coming up now the, the idea now is well, how do I protect myself and play the game and make the most money and you know you, you look back at the old the old Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler kind of days like they were there for the, for, the, for the love of it for the honour of it for the, the privilege of standing in front of a, a crowd and showing what you're capable of and I, I don't know. I feel like it's moving away from that a bit now. And, and to be to to feel like you know, to certainly feel like I'm like I'm I'm actually pushed away from the USC feels feels really odd. It's really odd because it's something that's been such a part of my life for so long.
0: It, it's 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 a uh, it's a different world. <laughs> that's that's the best way I can say it. Well, like a relic of the past. It's like it is. We have to sacrifice these things for the benefit of the future. Are, are we really benefiting though? Are we really forwarding it? Is the sport really at a different level? Or did we is this just a cash grab? Like when I well, the thing that I think about is like when I hear fighters saying, I'm ranked number nine, this guy's ranked number three. If I beat this guy, he's he's campaigning based on rankings. And you know, given what we've seen over the last couple of years, the way they match make some fights, I don't know how you can look at yourself in the mirror honestly and say, "If I do X, Y, and Z, this will all go in a linear fashion according to plan." Um, it's just changed so much. Um, do you do you think about do you think about that at all in terms of the way that? You know, like you said, you you know, fighters being cloned and stuff like that. I, I think of like looking at the younger generation coming up, seeing where we are now, and kind of like how they're talking and be like, you know, the road has gotten a lot harder in, in so many ways. That's not really a question. I mean, <laughs> <that's> mean. <laughs> You share your thoughts. I'll stop talking. <laughs>
1: No, I, I, I I do agree I, I do agree you know I think that I, I don't know I just I, I just think that there, there was a point where there was a point where the, the fighters were were celebrated and 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 looked after and cared for and uh, you know and, and respected in a way that I just don't think they are as much anymore you know and, and, and you know the, the, of course the, the sports grown in the numbers of the, the fights on the roster etc but I, I think there are still fighters out there that they they just they want to fight in front of a crowd that shout their name and, and they want to show their skills. They're not interested in chasing the belt. But like the idea of not being in the rankings if you're on the UFC roster is is not an option. It, like you've always got to be chasing towards the belt. And if and if it gets to the stage where you're losing to you know I mean like Cowboy got his ass kicked this weekend. And like, look at Diego before he got the disqualification getting his ass kicked against Pereira. Like. They're not matchups that need to happen. No, we don't need to see those. And it's, I, it, people, people, people say the word promotion, uh, but they don't really examine the word promotion. And, that, that, and that's, that's the thing that's become more apparent to me over the years. And, and I, you know, I have an up and down relationship with the UFC because when I first signed the UFC, I thought we were one family within mixed martial arts and we we're all walking towards the same thing. And and those speeches that Damien used to give after the weigh-ins, like even you'd you'd be walking out of the of the of the room with your arm around your opponent, going, "Come on, dude, let's give a great show tomorrow for the fans." Like that's how it made you feel. But then, like as soon as like as soon as I fought GSP, I realized that I'd been kind of hustled along because there was a lack of contenders. I got that fight. I got I got. Looking back now, it's embarrassing what they what I you know what I was paid for that fight and what I gave and what what it cost me to fight, you know what I mean? But then I, then I looked at my run after that and they go, okay, co-main event against Carlos Condit, who they, it was either, it was a win-win for them. Because if I would I'd won in front of my home crowd. And if he won, he was the next name to put in front of GSP as a new contender. Then I got, I come off my first knockout loss and they put me against Anthony Johnson. And it was like, I just kind of felt like all of a sudden I was now being cycled out. Do you know what I mean? And and I'm going to fight anybody and everybody, and, and it, that just it just kind of you. I see that more and more now. I see it, you know. I see guys. Well, this guy's got a name, so we'll either we'll, we'll either use him against a young fighter and build that person up. Like let's bring Ken Shamrock out of retirement and have him fight Rich Franklin because no one knows who Franklin is, even though he's one of the highest ranked middleweights in the world, and we need a contender. It's that kind of feeling, and, and I just I wish there was some kind of some kind of care for fighters like Cowboy and like Jim Miller and Clay Guida and Diego Sanchez, like, they still want to fight. We still can celebrate them on the top stage of the sport, and they don't need to be in this shark tank with all these young guys trying to keep their head above water. But, but they, they're a commodity that's being used to promote the younger generations of fighters, and, and it puts everyone in a weird situation where no one really wants to be doing that. I, the, the young guys coming through beating these former legends that they used to look up to, it doesn't feel good for either party. And, and, you know, that's something else that I feel could be, you know, it could be better dealt with, I think. It would be a better look for the sport as well.
0: Sure. Were you calling out, like, Matt Brown um, and I can't remember the other guy that you called out? Were you calling them out before this drama happened with Herb or? Or after, Herb and the and the and the and the PR team, like did 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 the call were the callouts a function of like you sensing there was a change and wanting to move in a different direction, or was that just a natural thing that came up? You wanted you calling out Matt Brown and wanting to restart your fight career. I mean, you've always kind of wanted to. I you have you've, you've said it several times over the years, but. It seems like there was a, a little bit of a shift there, and I was hoping you could put that into context for me.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd had conversations, I'd had conversations with, with Sean and with, with Mick, and I'd said, look, you know, th- these are the guys I'd like to fight, you know, and I'd listed the names off. I mean, you know, A Diaz, I don't mind which, they're the, largely the same person anyway. Um, you know, uh, Matt Brown because that's who I was originally matched with when I was pulled out from the fight back in 2013. Carlos Condit, because I own one back. You know, like, they, they were the names that I, that I was uh, that I gave them, and these are names I've been talking about for a while. And I, I, had, a, I had a couple put back in my direction a few years ago. Like, I, I had Joe Lowe's suggested to me, which I just, I just have no interest in, in fighting. And same with Jim Miller. You know, I've got to, if I'm only having one or two fights, I want to want to fight the guy you know and and there's a lot of guys on the roster i literally just don't want to punch Joe on in the face it's as simple as that and as a fighter as a contractor I, I i should have some choice in that i feel um especially at this point in my career where you know for sure i'm not contending for a belt and i've said that all the way through i don't want to be fighting these you know i don't, I don't want to be fighting people that are still in the mix because i i respect the mix enough to know that i'm not in it you know, but I also, you know, like either let me fight someone else that's not in the mix or let me go with the circumstance. And literally, up until last week, I was under contract as a fighter, and, and I mean, that's what I even spoke to Dana a couple of times about it. And he just kind of laughed at me like, like, wow, <laughs> these are actually his words, why would you want to do that? You've got a job for life. So then, like, you know, when I'm being sent home from a fight, island, I'm fired up and I'm angry because i have not been heard. And I've been, you know, the whole circumstance has been misunderstood. I'm like, right, okay, well, let's put me back in my natural habitat then. You know, if, I, if, I, if I'm not natural in this habitat, let me, put, let me go back into my natural habitat. I called out Matt Brown. He accepted the fight. He wanted the fight. I spoke to the UFC directly. I, 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 said, I, said, uh, I sent Sean Shelby a direct message. And I said, I want Matt Brown, the Carlos Condit, and then I want Nick Diaz. They're the three that I'm looking at. And he, and he messaged me back. He said, I'll get back with you next week. And I never heard from him again. And, you know, and then like a few days after that, all of a sudden Matt Brands matched on the most distant card in the future. There's not got any other matchups on it yet. It was like July. They put him on a card in July. They not got it. There was, it was just weird. It was like, you just kind of like, you just kind of sticking a middle finger up at me now, you know? So it was like I, I, immediately I knew they weren't going to match me, and if they were going to match me, they were just going to, you know, it was going to be a a, a fight that just wasn't at all appealing to me and wasn't beneficial to me at this stage in my career.
0: So this is after the this is after the Herb Dean thing, but before the the PR thing, somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had conversations, I had conversations a few times. Where, I mean, they they were. They were keen on me announcing my comeback at UFC London, the one that was cancelled. Oh, so that that was that was that was a conversation that had been had as well between myself and a, a couple of the UFC um, uh, uh, execs.
0: Did you say a that already, people. or is this breaking news right here? I don't remember hearing. No, I've
1: not, 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 not said that before because it never got anywhere. You know, it was a conversation that I mean, I mean, where, where was I? I? Was I was in Uruguay the the, the the earlier? Sorry, late the year before that. And they were like, well, oh, you know, we could we could break it here in Uruguay while you're here on the desk. And I'm like, like Uruguay on a fight night? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Hey,
0: what what so do you got against Uruguay? Uruguay is as good of a place as what what's what's the what's the beef with Uruguay?
1: Because I remember when Bisping got put in the Hall of Fame in London and the crowd went up and the idea of announcing that at London was, you know.
0: Fair enough. So you were gonna be so, so th- they were going to announce it at that at that fight card, I, or, or, or wasn't that was it that far along? <coughs> Did you have an opponent, or they were just like he's coming uh, back? No, 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 no.
1: They, they were ju- they were just they were going to announce that was that I was, was going to fight again. That was the that was the plan because I think there was obviously the London card. It was Leon and uh, uh, Woodley. Yeah. Obviously, they were planning on doing another card later in the year, September time, which was what I was aiming for. I mean, that that's what I was keeping in mind um which is what i said to the, said to the usc when i contacted them this time like late summer it is is when i'm looking um cuz I, I want to make sure i you know i've been training but i want to make sure i lay a good foundation before i go back in there and you know let someone try and kill me <laughs>
0: wise so, wise yeah. move um so the time like you know again the time between the Request via the interview, and your release letter comes. You don't even finish the letter. (laughs) What's going through your mind? Are you like, you be like, are you texting? You know, Bellator. Are you um, just saying to your manager, cast the net out? Are you going into grieving? a Combination of the three.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really think it's quite sunk in yet, and it still feels kind of weird. I mean, you know. because because I, I always I always thought that you know whenever I visualize myself fighting again, apart from day, daydreaming and fighting in Pride back in the day, my, my visualizations of fighting was always in in the UFC, in the octagon. You know, it's it's like second home to me now. I spend I spend a good twenty minutes in there before I, every commentary gig and, and you know, just kind of walking around and feeling the canvas and stuff. It's it's you know, it's a very comfortable place for me now. So the idea of fighting somewhere else it, it it seems like a bit surreal at the moment but you know the more rising and one and bellator and stuff i watch um uh, yeah i mean we'll, we'll we'll see what happens i know that people are people are aware and, and, and have been in contact but at the moment i'm not really thinking about it too much and until someone comes to me and says what about this date and this person um then you know i'll i'll, I'll kind of stay out of it and let my manager deal with it
0: but the opponent seems really important important to you
1: yeah, yeah because because i've got a you know the, you know i mean it's 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 my last training camp my last two three training camps ever like I want, I want to fight i want i want to be up for it i want a challenge you know and and i'm not even necessarily saying it would be mma i mean i would box i would kickbox you know my, my options are open you know i' I've, ne- I've never boxed professionally um but i but i'd be open to it but, you know, keep boxing Muay Thai professionally, you know, that was what I was doing before MMA. Um, but then, you know, the, the, you know, I, I quite like the uh, the, the one and, and rising rule sets, you know, downward elbows and knees to the head on the ground. I know it might seem a bit uh, a bit heavy for some, but, you know, I, I am the outlaw and I do kind of fit in those environments where you, where you <laughs> strap in. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess it's not really sunk in yet. I've been doing bag work with warm Gloves and with Rising Gloves on just to kind of see them out. And I've got a, a red set and a blue set of Bellator Gloves as well. So I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, the, the idea of it, you know, is, uh, you know, but I'm also doing a lot of bare knuckle stuff and boxing glove stuff. So i got to keep my options open, eh?
0: You're auditioning, you're auditioning via equipment.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go, exactly.
0: Um, well, I mean, is there anybody that you want to fight? that's out there, that's a name that you respect and that is in one of these promotions?
1: You know, I mean, I've been so, I've been so focused on those three names in particular. And I mean, I mean, Condit, Brown and Diaz were the perfect three. And, you know, if you want to throw Cowboy in there as well, even though maybe not after his last couple of fights, you know, like, <laughs> I feel the same. I'm just kind of, you know, and it's the same with Diego. You know, Diego's a free agent, but would I want to fight the guy now? I want. I want to give him a hug and try and help him in the circumstance that he's in because it seems like a shitty one.
0: It but, is. You know I can assure you.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. It, it seems pretty rough. But like, you know, like if if I'm if I'm daydreaming, like I could I could see me fighting someone like Gomi and Pride in the Rising. You know, that would be a lot of fun. Um, I know Aoki's moving around in weight classes in um, in one, but I don't think I'd be able to get down to one seventy to be walking around five week. If I was fighting in one, I'd be, I'd be coming in at 185, which I know is well to wait, but, um, but I'm, I'm 210 at the moment. So that gives you an idea of, of you know, where, where, my, where my weight's at and what I'm looking at. I need a bit of time to get myself back into, into fight shape. I'm into deadlifting cars at the moment. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, uh, if you watch Tyson's interview, he talks about getting back into fight shape. Not just, you know, good shape, but fight shape. And how much of a shock to the system it is? Yeah. Um, do you anticipate that kind of uh, that kind of uh, barrier to to overcome?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I think I absolutely think so. I mean, <clears throat> the good thing is I kind of I kind of trained myself. Um, you know, I've got I've got a few Pavlovian responses from back in the day to certain songs and music that I can use to to get my brain switched back on. But um, I've also got a lot of frustration, which helps. Um, you know a lot of frustration from the last you know the, the last sort of 12 months or so uh you know and and you know for, for as, as awesome as, as fight island was the experiences of being out there like every single one of them was more stressful than the last you know it, it like they were just they were really they were really intense environments for whatever reason it was just crammed in and shit up your nostril every day and weird sleep patterns and you know clubs on the other side of the harbor and it was just it was, just, you know, so I, I feel like I feel like the, uh, like it'd be quite cathartic to get into a training camp at this point. I just need something to get my teeth into. I need a date to aim for, and I can't daydream a date up in my head. I need to go right. There's an event on that day. That's when I'm aiming for, and I'll start working towards it. Um, but the air dime's just been delivered today. I've got a new punch bag hanging up in the gym. Um, we, we're moving in the right direction, but I, I'll I'll take my time until I feel like. Uh, until so I feel like the time's right to start putting my foot on the gas.
0: And just to clarify, do you need to um, clear your current medical situation with any of the commissions via a, a specific meeting? Or have you talked to anybody about getting cleared in the past? Where, where do you stand with the regulatory side of things?
1: There are only a couple of commissions that would require me to have an ECG. And obviously, you know, with the fact that I was pulled out of a fight, um, I mean, my, my results were never submitted to the California Athletic Commission. Uh, they never made it out of Vegas, um, so I, I don't really know where I stand. I think it's literally California and Florida the only two that I would be required to pass an ECG test. So there'll be other people on the roster that would have similar problems if they, you know, if they were. Um, I mean, funnily enough, I've had a few fighters reach out that are experiencing some of those problems. Um, but it's, it, it, I mean. I went to a, when I came back to the UK because when I was in Vegas, I was having the tests for the fight in California against Matt Brown. Um, when the first lot of results came back and they said that they wouldn't be able to clear me to fight, and I had to come back for more tests, I spoke to my doctor in the UK, the guy that's known me since I was since I was a kid, and he said, "Don't don't do anything, don't have any any surgeries, any treatments or anything, and come back here and get tested because." you know, the, the healthcare systems in both countries are very different, and one's much more money orientated. And, and, I, and I did did feel like it was a bit of a kind of came out of nowhere, you know, um, assessment given the fact that I've been so healthy all the way through my life and my heart's never never been an issue. I've, never, I've always been asymptomatic, even if I do have all the white pattern. Um, so anyway, long story. So I spoke to my doctor, he said not to do anything, Uh, the UFC wouldn't clear me and I kind of was stuck in limbo for a few months. And then they got me into commentary. And while I was back in the UK, I I went to see a a cardiac specialist, uh, a guy that runs a a sports cardiology clinic. Um, And I took all my test results from Vegas, he put me through the same tests, and he found no evidence of any problem. So. Like I have, I have all of those more recent tests with all of the clear evidence that I'm absolutely fine and perfect to compete. So even if it came to a circumstance where I was put on a card in California, they required me to have an ECG, and some an anomaly showed up. I have a cardiac specialist that can explain what what they're reading on those on those uh, um, uh, on the ECG tests. Um, I mean, you've got you got to think. I mean, you know, medicine's such a broad uh, field. The guy that was looking at my results was not an expert on the electrical pathways of the heart. He was just kind of reading what he was, you know, interpreting. But the specialist that I've been to see said there's absolutely no problem at all. And I have the paperwork that's clear.
0: Yeah. When it comes to doctors and getting cleared, your mileage may vary, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the other thing as well. You know, I mean, you know, I, I turned 39 in a couple of days, but I've I, I've only, only ever had five stitches in my whole life. I've been cut once i've never had any major broken bones you know i've been knocked out twice in my professional career and you know maybe maybe a couple of times in the gym but I, I i do not have mileage you know especially when i look at someone like like cowboy or sanchez and i'm like literally look like they've been run over by a truck and put back together with glue like, i feel so fortunate that i'm not in that circumstance you know aches and pains and those kind of things of course but getting old now you know and i've I've run up a few hills with a few logs on my back, so I deserve a few of those eight, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm relatively young for my age and I do recognize that.
0: Is there a chance that your future might not include fighting? I mean, like, that you might, that somebody might offer you a commentary job and you might continue to do what you do. I'm, basically what I'm getting at is why go punch people and be punched in the head at 39?
1: Um. Well, partly because I kind of feel like my career was never, never finished. Like I, ne- I never, I never showed the full expression of my skills. I, I was always kind of, I, I was working through various different cycles and the point at which I was pulled out kind of felt like the beginning of, I, I kind of felt like the point where I was pulled out in Matt round fight was kind of the beginning of the next cycle. Like if I go back and watch the Amir Sedala fight, like the, the Dwayne Ludwig was saving my skin and keeping me on the roster. The Amir Sadala fight was, okay, I, I need three takedowns in this fight and I need to not not struggle with the nerves of fighting in my hometown. They were the they were the main things to get over that. Matt Brown in California, I was gonna light him up. I was gonna make it a real bloody mess and stop him. And that was the beginning of the next stage of my my final run, which was in my head already. So I, I don't feel like I've got loads more fights in me. I don't you know, I'm not I'm not you know, I don't want to be fighting in, into my 50s. But I feel like there, like I've got two or three fights against someone of, this, of a similar standing to me in the sport, where I could, I could show the person that I am, the martial artist that I really am. And I, you know, you've got to think, I mean, I, I've watched hundreds and th- you know, thousands of fights over the last eight years. I, I have absorbed so much and I, my understanding of mixed martial arts has is, is, is increased so much. It, it, it kind of burns me a little bit that the last memory of me is that performance against the Amir Sadala, which was, it, it was just, I feel, I feel embarrassed by most of my fights, if I'm honest, because of how poor they were. You know, I was, I was ragged, and I made bad decisions and I, I, I just like to show that new, that final expression of myself before, you know, I'm perhaps too old. Got it.
0: Well, uh, I don't know me personally, I, my memory of you changed it's not of the fighter it's of the guy who's a great commentator and that's a good thing in and of itself right
1: yeah yeah absolutely but I'm not a commentator at the moment I mean'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a contractor that' uh, occasionally steps into a commentary booth from time to time you know I'll be probably working the cage warriors event coming up in June but that's that's because I love cage warriors not because I consider that to be a you know a, a part of my, my my job you know I just want to be there and and love cage warriors but you know, I mean, the, the reality is, you know, if, if one of the if one of the organisations approached me and was like, hey, you know, come and step onto our commentary team, I'd I'd love to because I love being you know cage side for or cage ringside whatever for you know live electric professional fighters. I mean, it's you know it's, it's an absolute buzz. Um, but you know, it, I, I'm I'm open to all kinds of things. I'm, I'm working on my my next book at the moment, um, and that's that's taken up a lot of brain power. As well as running the, the full reptile channel, which you know it keeps me stuck in research about half the week.
0: Yeah, man, <laughs> you're you're on the media grind now. How does it feel? <laughs> Not fun, yeah. right?
1: You know, yeah. I mean, it's 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 up and down. Uh, but I, I I've got a great team around me, and I just I am just fortunate. I mean, I'm, I'm able to you know to do what I do. What I do. You know, I, I sit in my house and watch fights and break them down and train fighters and run my gym. I'm, I'm in a very, very fortunate position. I, I'm not. I don't even. I don't even miss what I had with the UFC. The only thing I don't like about the circumstances the, the the weird tension and friction between the two of us because I just I just don't feel it's it's necessary and I, and I feel like it's based on lies on that end. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, go easy on that wide guy. Speaking of old guys, he's pretty old. So go <laughs> go easy on him.